You're listening to SpecScript. Today's episode, Gotham in Seattle, written by Andy Iwancio. Hey there, everybody. Thank you for listening to SpecScript. Chris here, just to tell you a little bit about this episode. It's a fun special episode recorded in Seattle, opposed to our usual recording uh, in Portland. We did it way back in June. Uh, we hope to do more shows, say, in Olympia, San Francisco, Seattle again, maybe even Vancouver, Canada. Who knows? But the point is, if you like this episode, of course, do the normal things of liking the Facebook, uh, reviewing us on iTunes, because we want to be able to tour more. We want to be able to bring the wonderfulness that is the live show to other places, because the live show is not just the amazing episode written by our various writers who have never seen the show before. It's also a pre-show, and the pre-show is Triple PW. That's Primo Pre-Show Professional Wrestling, for real, and uh, some stand-up comedy, live music. It's a wonderful extravaganza, unlike anything on Earth. So I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you like it, and hope we get to bring it to your towns if we can. Tweet at us also if you want us to bring it to your town or city, because that will make us feel special, and it will motivate us, because Kyle and I can be pretty motivated when we get motivated. Uh, also, a big thank you to the three people that made... Uh, doing this in Seattle uh, possible, uh, Daniel O'Connell, Natalie Holt, and Andy Iwancio, but also one more person, Mark Tain, who is the delightful narrator of frequent episodes, who did so much hard work to get us there and get us a nice hotel. He's an amazing man, and Natalie and Andy are amazing women, and Daniel O'Connell is also an amazing man, so just amazing people left and right. Uh, big ups to them. And hopefully they only become super-er over life. Okay, I'm going to let you enjoy the episode now. Thank you. Are y'all ready for Spectrum? Are you excited? I'm excited. Me too. Yeah. Let's bring up uh, our, all of our comedians with a big round of applause. Give it up for them. Come on, find the seat. All right. All right, so you know what Specscript is, but our podcast listeners also probably do, but we tell them what it is so that they know it's in their ears. Specscript is a show where we have an episode of a TV show written by someone who has never seen that show. They know barely anything. Today, it was Andy Iwancio. She wrote Gotham. All right, uh, and it's going to be a fun episode. We got a lot of great people. Uh, it's going to be it, hosted by me, Chris Hotomy, and Kyle McCormick. Me. And usually in Kelly's Olympia and Portland, Oregon, second Sundays, but sometimes we visit beautiful cities like Seattle. Here at Scratch Deli, the wonderful place. Give it up for Scratch. Thank you for doing that again. One for you, one for the audience. <laughs> Uh, you're all audiences. All right, so now that we have everyone on stage, let's uh, get to know our characters. Each one of our amazing performers will tell us uh, their name, 
their favorite superhero, and then what character or characters they're playing in this episode of Gotham. And we're giving them the extra trivia thing to ask about their favorite superhero so that the listeners on the podcast can have a little bit more of their voice to match with the characters. Yeah, so think about it. Kyle, how about you start out? I will start. Hello, my name is Kyle McCormick. Um, I will be reading the scene directions as the narrator. Our usual narrator, Mark Movie Man, uh, is not present. Um, my favorite superhero is probably uh, Spider-Man, and that's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andy. Oh, should I grab this one? No, not that one. Okay, that's good. Edit this out. Uh, I'm Andy. I wrote this. Uh, I will be playing. Can I see my superhero first, or? <laughs> I I think I like the Max. He's a he's like a little lesser known kind of like purple guy with big yellow claws. You should look it up. It's real good. It's a good thing on. It's good meditation on um, mental illness and social work. Anyway, uh, I will be playing the chief of the Metropolis Police Department, I believe, and Ma Parker, and that's it. Okay, good. Yes, chief of police at chief of. Metropolis Police Department and Matt Parker. Hey, I'm Val Nigro. Uh, favorite superhero is Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls. Because she's the dykiest one, honestly. Um, I will be playing the quad fecta of minor but I'm sure integral characters of Mayor. Alfred, Lola, and Goose. Thank you. Hello, I'm El Sanchez. <laughs> and I'm the only one without a fucking drink. I'm really upset about it. Shouldn't have finished my spritzer. I'm gonna get El Sanchez a yeah. spritzer. No, I don't need a spritzer. I just need like a Rainier. Like if you want, I'll pay you later, but cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, and I, oh, my favorite, oh, wait, who would I, do I say my first person? Oh, no, my favorite superhero, <laughs> my favorite superhero of all time is, like, the She-Hulk. She-Hulk is yeah! the greatest. I have a tattoo that's how much I love her. It takes up half my arm. Um, and, uh, oh, and I'm playing not Commissioner, but Jim Gordon. It's not Commissioner yet. Uh, hello, I'm Monisa Brown. Uh, I don't know if he counts as a superhero, but I'd say my favorite superhero is Steven Universe. Yay! Um, he's he's super and he's heroic, so. Um, and I will be playing Lieutenant Harvey Bullock. Yay! Hello, my name is Bettina McKelvey, and um, my favorite superhero. Um, it's Jem from Jem and the Holograms. Um, I will be playing the roles of Bruce Wayne, Tozy, and the Maid of Wood Killer. Hi, my name's Louis Sequera. I'm behind the plant. Uh, my favorite superhero, I gotta go with the Blue Beetle. I don't think there's any explanation required. Um, and I'm gonna be playing the roles of Robert. Joe Coyne, Oswald Cobblepot, and the Sportsmaster. Um, hi, I'm Chris Hotomy. 
Because tomorrow is uh, June 17th, my favorite superhero is my dad. Um, yeah, I, I'm already... I just got fired from the show. Uh, I am playing... I am playing Mama Wayne and the character of Dude. So, choice. Yeah, choice. 420, baby. Uh, Alright, I think that's all. So everybody, let us start. Specscript! Gotham! Written by Andy Iwancio. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, Gotham theme song. Exterior, Gotham City, night. Night has fallen across the city. A pale moon hangs behind the skyline, highlighting the edges of countless skyscrapers. The camera pans down to the marquee of a theater that reads Hamlet. A crowd is letting out from the play, and amongst the hustle and bustle of the theatergoers, we can clearly see Mama Wayne, a middle-aged woman in a fur coat and with an expensive pearl necklace, walking with Papa Wayne, a middle-aged man in a trench coat and fedora. We can then see they are flanking either side of young Bruce Wayne, a tiny boy in a pale blue pantsuit who runs and jumps as his parents, Mama and Papa, hold both hands. <laughs> the Swedish meatball prince man was funny. <laughs> Papa Wayne adjusts his fedora as they walk. Actually, Brucey, that was a sad story that highlighted the importance of family in a person's life. Mama Wayne cuts him off with a glare. Oh, let him have his fun. It's just a boring old Tennessee Williams play anyway. Actually, honey, it's a Shakespeare play. Uh, Mama Wayne sighs loudly and rolls her eyes. <sighs> Whatever. As they walk and chatter, the Wayne family crosses into an ominously dark alley that is twice as foreboding as it is ominous and filled with half as much darkness as it has as a length of itself. We can clearly see the form of a robber wearing an eye mask and striped shirt follow quietly behind him. He shiftily looks in both directions, sees the coast is clear, then pulls a revolver from his waistband, exterior alley wall. We can see shadows along the alley wall play out the ensuing robbery of Mama and Papa while Bruce watches on in shock. Give me your damn pearls, toots. <laughs> Mama Wayne clutches her pearls. Oh my word, such language. Not today, you crook. <laughs> we can hear a scuffle. Then the distinct sound of gunshots ring out. On the wall, we can see two of the shadows fall. Mama! Papa! <laughs> Exterior, Gotham City, night. The camera pans back up to the moon, an endless sprawl of the Gotham skyline. When it pans back down, the lights are different. The hustle and bustle, the same. An unknown amount of time has passed. We see an expensive sedan pull up to the familiar corner near that same ominous alley, which seems four times as foreboding and filled with at least three quarters of the darkness as its length. <laughs> Alfred, an older, well-dressed gentleman with clean-cut salt-and-pepper gray hair, steps out of the driver's side door. He walks to the back left passenger side door and opens it slightly, or opens it, pardon Slightly older Bruce, the same young Bruce from before, but kind of taller, emerges with a bouquet of flowers in hand. Alfred watches as Bruce walks over to the corner. Bruce kneels down and tearfully places flowers on the ground. I miss you every single gosh darn day, Ma and Pa. Gee whiz, it's been... Gosh, it seems like forever. <laughs> 
Young Master Bruce. We really must hurry. The grand opening of the orphanage is due to start at any moment. All right, Mr. Alfie. I'm coming. Bruce stands up and walks solemnly back to the sedan with Alfred. Alfred opens the back passenger door and Bruce gets in the car. He gets in on the driver's side and they drive off. Somewhere just nearby, the sound of an engine starts. Slowly, a car follows the path of the sedan out of frame. Interior, Gotham City Police Department, day. The camera pans down to a busy bullpen of desks with various detectives working through cases. A few suspects sit handcuffed to a bench along the wall. We pull focus to Jim Gordon, a gray-haired man aged 25 to 55, who is (laughs) intently reading a case dossier in his hands. Gordon closes the file folder in his hands and wipes his brow and looks up. (laughs) Bullock, exactly how are you eating right now? Lieutenant Harvey Bullock, a heavyset detective in his early 30s who looks like a football player, talks like a football coach and breathes like a football, is sitting at a messy wooden desk covered in gory crime scene photos. Draped all over these graphic snapshots is a three-foot-long red licorice rope, almost as to connect them in some sweet murder spree conspiracy. Bullock stares up to lock eyes with Gordon. There's a tense moment. Bullock then slowly eats the rope into his mouth, stickily pulling along pictures of severed arms and chopped off hands with it. All the while, not breaking eye contact with Gordon. (laughs) Gordon sighs heavily, then looks down at two of the random snapshots pulled together. Wait a damn minute. (laughs) He picks up two of the photos stuck to Bullock's candy tongue. These (laughs) toes here, one was found all the way down near this Super G grocery store, and... Gordon slides another seemingly unrelated separate toe photo over from the pile. (laughs) Furthermore, this toe was found here, in another grocery store, near the meat freezer, and... Bullock slowly sits up in his chair to attention. Uh, what is it? <laughs> Gordon turns his back to Bullock and stares out the window in contemplation. Whatever came of all of this? These cases, these abandoned digits. Ah, <laughs> uh, cold cases, sir. Uh, no clue where the uh, appendages of these toes call home are. Gordon turns back toward the desk as Bullock stares on in anticipation of what he has to say. Any other toe pictures? Or a couple, I think. Bullock shuffles pictures around his desk and lays out two more crime scene photos. Gordon picks up each and examines them. Uh, same as the others, uh, random toes. Uh, one found in the covenant at St. Severitus Church. Uh, and the other clogged in a toilet uh, Gotham Central train station so so all of these toes are unrelated it seems like they would be linked in some way but they are all cold cases no leads 
no leads, we'd practically have to knock on every door in town to get one. Just too much footwork to get it done with that few clues. Gordon looks up suddenly at Bullock. Aha, that's it, footwork. Bullock looks confused. And, uh, sir, with, uh, all due respect, surely you can't be serious. I'm in no, I'm not in good shape. This morning I walked over two pairs of socks on my bedroom floor, and I was out of breath by the time I reached the other side. Okay. Um, not footwork, Bullock, a foot. What? Is, is there any report of a severed foot somewhere that is missing four toes? Now, let me take a look. Bullock leans over and pulls open a side drawer on his desk labeled Body Parts Found Apart From Their Bodies. <laughs> he thumbs through folders, searching as he talks. Let's see. Buttocks left behind. Unclaimed cocks. <laughs> and uh, oh, here we are. Footloose feet. Bullock pulls the folder out, and his face falls immediately into disappointment, not unlike people moving a couch hitting the first doorway of an apartment building. <laughs> what is it? No feet afoot in this folder. Gordon thinks for a minute, then has a sudden thought. Look up legs. Bullock leans down and flips through more folders in the drawer. He narrates his way as he goes. Uh, unhanded fingers, uh, heads bent up and left, and here, here we are, she's got legs and she knows how to lose them. Bingo! Bullock opens the folder and we see its only contents are a picture of a severed leg that's missing four toes on its foot. All are gone except the second one. Let's get right to opening this case back up. Bullock shakes his head. I'd be all for that, Jimmy, sir, but we can't. This is out of our jurisdiction, and this isn't our damn case. Whose case is it? I'll make the calls and get it ours. It's just up north on the edge of the sunny district of Metropolis. <laughs> Gordon turns to an adjacent desk and flicks open a drawer. He flicks a few papers inside and produces from an old leather-bound Bible. He opens the cover to reveal a hidden compartment with a bottle of whiskey inside. <laughs> he pulls it out, screws the cap off, takes a tiny swig, then puts the cap back on. He thinks for a second, then takes the cap off again, and chugs the entire bottle in 12 consecutive gulps like a hamster at a water bottle theater. <laughs> As Gordon picks up the phone and dials, the screen splits in half. On the left, we can see him standing at his desk as the line rings after a few moments. Somebody picks up, and we can see the right side of the screen filled with a sunny poolside scene of a man in a Hawaiian shirt lying down in a deck chair with a cordless phone in one hand and a fruity tropical drink in the other. Aloha, Metropolis Police Department. <laughs> Chief of rum here. <laughs> God. Is that you, Henderson? Gordy, how you doing, you old grump? How are things down in Gotham, huh? How's the big old gray apple treating you? <laughs> fine, Chief. Just fine. Gloomy and violent as always. How are things in Metropolis? Peachy, Gord, man. Absolutely peachy. 
been about hmm, two years with no crime at all. We've just been living that easy life, you know? We haven't even had so much as a jaywalk in our city. I mean, you've seen the news. We got the super boy punching bank robbers through buildings. <laughs> yes, I have seen the news, Chief. Yeah, we had all those cops and villains for uh, guys for a while, sure, but now we pretty much cleared out. Probably got tired of being dropped four stories into a parked car by a superhuman boy. <laughs> Chief takes a second to sip his fruity drink while Gordon rolls his eyes so hard that we can hear them audibly slurp around in his skull like the sound of a dog lapping water. Yes, I know they cleared out of your town, and do you want to know why? Because they've all come here. Every single one of them wants to be the most famous villain ever, but there's so many here already, and they can't really get noticed. They've run about, out of ideas, too. There's a guy up here called the Clue Master. Oh, he leaves clues. What is that even? I mean, for fuck's sake, he broke into an art museum, stole priceless painting, and left his damn social security card as a clue. <laughs> Jimmy, you sound stressed. Are you stressed? This is exactly why you all should really look into getting a superboy. I mean, sure, every once in a while you'll get a shoplifter who can't walk anymore. But hey, to make an omelet, you gotta break a few legs. <laughs> One sec, Chief. Chief takes a long sip from his drink as Gordon picks up the coat from the back of his chair, balls it up, then plows his face into it and screams a long, loud, muffled scream. Okay, I'm back. Listen, I need a file from you. It's just a hunch, and technically it's out of our reach. And if you're really done with any crime, maybe you might not need that file, you know? It's a case concerning a severed leg that is missing four toes. You got anything like that? Oh, sure thing, Jim Jim. Why did you say so? Let me, let me check with Bob, our forensics guy. Thanks. Chief yells off screen to Bob. He is clearly busy with some activity, so we only hear Chief's side of the conversation. Hey, Bob! You got those missing leg files somewhere? Oh, uh-huh. Oh, just today? Right, right, right. Well, tell them the good news. See you at noon, Bob. Got anything? Yep. Bob was going through those files this morning and saw that very picture in a folder. Isn't that just the neatest thing? That's great. How can I get it? Oh, there's no way you could. <laughs> I, th I thought we had an understanding, Chief. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I got you those baseball tickets, Chief. Remember, not even the Pope could get a ticket to that game. But there you were with seats behind home plate to see the legendary championship between the Gotham Sad Boys and the Metropolis Supremacists. <laughs> Why? 
Oh, for the luau, of course. Yeah. There's not many trees here in downtown Metropolis, so getting wood to start a fire for the pig roast was going to be impossible. But Bob had the bright idea of burning all our files. Gotta say that has worked dandy so far. We started with all the unsolved stuff first, you know, unclaimed limbs. Was actually alphabetically backwards. First and all, we're going through purloined pelvises now. By about noon, Bob says we should be, we'll be at missing children, and the roast pig should be perfect. <laughs> I tell you, for being cold cases, Jim, they burn real well. <laughs> Gordon ends the call suddenly and slams the receiver down hard four or five times, a little less each time. Like when you tape a hammer to a basketball? <laughs> he then plops down dejectedly into his chair and lays it on the desk. Bullock looks on silently for a second and then speaks. So, uh... I'm gonna guess that's a no on the file. <laughs> yes, Harv. <laughs> what is that? They're burning the files to roast a pig for their luau, Harv. It's gone. For a fucking pig. Gordon sits up slowly from the desk. The sticky crime scene photos are stuck to his face. He pulls them off one by one, looking intently at them in his hands as he does. Pig. Piggy. <laughs> Gordon throws down one photo on the desk. Toe in a grocery store. This little piggy went to the market. Gordon drops another photo on the desk. This little piggy stayed home. One toe still on the foot. Gordon drops down another photo on the desk. Toe in a meat section. This little piggy had roast beef. Gordon drops another photo on the desk. Toe in a convent where nuns live. This little piggy had none. <laughs> Gordon drops another photo on the desk. Toe in a toilet at a train station. PP travel back. <laughs> and this little piggy went wee 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 all the way home. Bullock sits absolutely blown away by the revelation. Oh, wow. <laughs> Any idea what sicko might have done this? Yep. Gordon opens a drawer full of file folders. Starting in the front, he then fingers through them until completion. Uh, he pulls out the very last folder. Oh yeah, this is exactly what I need. Gordon puts the folder down on his desk and slides it across to Bullock so he can see. He looks down and scans the info. The mugshot shows a snivelly man with slicked back black hair and an ugly green plaid suit. If you look up slime ball in the dictionary, this picture's next to it. The line below the photo reads, last name Coin, first name Joe. Joe Coin? Yes, now look down to the next line. Alias, the piggy plunderer. Let's go pay him a little visit. Jimmy, we can't do this. We don't have a warrant or a clue that this guy has a connection to do this. Whatever you got planned for tonight, count me out. Well, we get to punch people, Harv. Okay, I'm back in. <laughs> Exterior, orphanage, day. 
We pan down in our tall, brand new brick building. Over the entrance is a brass sign emblazoned with Mama and Papa Wayne's Memorial Orphanage. <laughs> a bright red ribbon hangs across the doorway leading into the building like a finish line for some sort of child abandonment race. Slightly older Bruce Wayne stands at the ready with a giant pair of novelty scissors. He is astride with the mayor of Gotham, an older-ish gentleman with a bristling mustache, dark overcoat, and a top hat. Flashbulbs flash as the press gets every possible angle of the photo op. Just beyond the crowd of journalists, a small group of street urchins, newsies, and whimsical tramps waits to enter. They play stickball, jacks, dice, and angry birds to pass the time. <laughs> the mayor raises his hand to ask for silence from the crowd, and they quiet in response. We are gathered here to celebrate two of the greatest citizens who have ever graced the streets of our fairest of cities, Mama and Papa Wayne! <laughs> the mayor gestures towards to the right of the building, and we cut to a few large bronze statues. They depict Mama Wayne and Papa Wayne. They are shown walking on either side of a figure of a boy in a pantsuit, happily skipping and jumping between them. The boy is not Bruce. We come back to the mayor, an increasingly sadder by the moment Bruce. It is times like this we are reminded of those whose parents are no longer around and the huge loneliness they must feel for the most biggest of gaps in their now most tiniest of families. The crowd applauds. As more flashbulbs go off, the dead-eyed Bruce still stares into the middle distance, locking eyes with the new bronze child his bronze parents have adopted in statue form. Now, unfortunately, since their names are on the building, you know, of course, that Mama and Papa Wayne can't be here today, but their little boy, soon-to-be future hermit, Bruce, is here to say a few words. So, Brucey, in their place, why don't you step up and give it a shot? The crowd applauds. More flashbulbs go off. <laughs> As the mayor steps to the side to allow Bruce to speak. Bruce, still staring off into the distance, eyes just full of tears, hands uh, uh, hands full of giant novelty scissors, steps forward one step and then speaks. I, I, I still see their ghosts when I blink. And, uh, and the, the sound, the sound of their screams keeps me, keeps me up at well, night. Well, that is great! <laughs> Can't wait to hear how all that turns out. Glad they're still in your heart and mind and we all be ever so lucky to savor the important moments of the loved ones who have passed like that. Another big hand for little Gotham City Orphanage! Bruce does not react at all to the mayor's request. The mayor gets visibly frustrated at Bruce's lack of action. Well, he's so excited for this. Let me just get him started here. The mayor grabs Bruce's lifeless hands, which are still holding the giant novelty scissors, and guides them to cut the red ribbon hanging from the doorway. And there we are, open for business. The crowd applauds. As more flashbulbs go off. 
game. The mayor... <laughs> the mayor puts himself behind Bruce and poses with his catatonic body. The mayor puts his arm around his shoulder and waves. Then he picks up one of Bruce's hands to make it wave to the crowd. We get the Bernie's style. The mayor makes a whimsical face, then turns Bruce around, grabs him by the collar and his shirt back. He then pretends to toss Bruce into the orphanage. <laughs> Chuckles are up from the crowd. <laughs> Harsh. And more flashbulbs go off. Okay. Now, let me give you a tour of the facilities. We are equipped with all the latest advancements in orphan-based technologies. No child can be left behind on our way to the future. The crowd approaches the doorway and parts in two around Bruce, still standing motionless. The tour moves into the building, leaving him behind. The orphans run up into the building, too. Bruce stands alone in the doorway. We hear a car approach and idle. The distinct sound of a door opening and closing follows. Alfred walks into the doorway next to Bruce. Young Master Bruce, let us not dilly-dally. We have still one more stop yet at Wayne Enterprises Company Picnic. <laughs> Okay, okay, Alfie. It's been a heck of a rough day, I guess. I guess some food might cheer me up. <laughs> By Jove. That's the spirit, sir. Alfred takes the giant novelty scissors from Bruce. He then produces a large handgun from his butler's jacket and puts it into Bruce's outstretched palm. You'll be using this starter pistol to signal the beginning of the father-son... Potato sack. Potato, excuse me. Potato sack racer. It shall be ever so much fun. Bruce's little eyes well up with tears as the camera pulls back slightly to see the still idling elegant black sedan. Alfred lets the sad boy Bruce into the car, then gets in the driver's side door. They take off and drive out of frame. There's quiet for a second. Then, in an alley to the side of the orphanage, a car starts up and very slowly follows the path of the sedan out of frame. Exterior, city street, day. Gordon and Bullock stand in the door of an old brick row house in a nondescript street in the upper south side of Lower Gotham. Not too far from the old sausage district. You know the place. Gordon looks at a paper in his hand and glances at the number next to the door and gives Bullock a nod. He nods in response, then begins pounding on the door. Thank you fully. After a minute, it opens and the weaselly face of Joe Coyne appears. What do you want, coppers? <laughs> Joey, just the man we wanted to see. Hey, Joey, what's that thing in baseball? Uh, where you miss that with the bat? Oh, uh, a strike? Yeah, that's it. Bullet punches Coyne in the stomach and he rubbles <laughs> over in pain. <laughs> Bullock stands him back up and dusts off his shoulders. Now I have a question for you. What are you doing cutting these toes off and sprinkling them all around town? What? That ain't me. <laughs> hey, Joey. What's that thing you put out at a fancy party um, in a giant bowl with cups to pour in, out into it? Oh, uh, uh, a punch. Oh my god, you're a wizard. Of smarts. <laughs> Bullock strikes the wizard of smarts in the stomach again, and he doubles over in pain again. 
Bullock stands him back up and straightens his tie and brushes off his shoulders. What do you have to do with these toes, Jojo? I'm telling you, that this makes no sense to me. Hey, uh, Joe, how can you tell a runner wins a race um, at the Olympics how fast they did it? Oh, uh, you clock him. Dang, you're a sorcerer of smarts. <laughs> Bullet gives the sorcerer of smarts a right hook to the head. He goes down hard, falling back into the door and knocking it wide open. He's dazed, but still conscious. His hand reaches up to the doorknob, which he uses to slowly pick himself back up from the floor. You're the piggy plunderer, Joe. These toes are piggies. This has you written all over it. Wait, wait, wait. The piggy plunderer? That ain't me. Bullock starts to wind up his arm to ask another question. <laughs> but Gordon puts out his hand and stops him. You're not the piggy plunderer? No, jeez. I'm the penny plunderer. Ain't you heard of me all this time? Coppers, cents. I'm a villain. We talking puns. Can't help it. Huh. Huh. Must have been a typo, I guess. You know some foot guy? No, but I think I heard some fellow rambling about toes down at the bar. My money's on that being your guy. Go ask some of the bills there. Yeah, bills? Yeah, bills. Like short villains. It's new, we're just trying it out. It'd help us get the word out there in the scene if you used it too. <laughs> oh, of course not. You all are just the biggest nerds. <laughs> Bullet gives Coin a playful push on the shoulder and suddenly a torrent of currency pours out of both, both of Coin's pant legs. For what seems like two solid minutes, pennies gush down past their feet in a copper river. Gordon and Bullock just stand looking awestruck like they've just seen a ghost that shit metal from its pants. <laughs> Gordon places his hand down and picks up one of the pennies from the slowing tide at his feet. He looks at it closely, then holds it up so he can see both the coin and Joe coin. We can see that instead of Abraham Lincoln on the coin, there is an engraved picture of Joe coin with a chin strap beard and wearing a fedora. Author's note, in this world, Lincoln was famous for wearing a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, listen, as much as I have a lot of questions about how you got all these pennies in your pants, or why they were in your pants, or what that smell I'm smelling is, those are all not crimes. Counterfeiting pennies, however, is a crime. Yeah, looks like your name should be Joe Coins. Both Gordon and Coins stare at Bullock. I, I, yes, yeah, sorry. Take me, please. Just no more of his oral abuse, please. <laughs> okay, coin, let's go, Hav. Just, just, no, okay? Gotcha, Gordo. <laughs> Gordon puts handcuffs on coin. Fade out. Fade in. Interior, police department, hallway, night. Gordon and Bullock are escorting coin down the hallway. I'm gonna need to go down to that, that bar and get some answers. But there's no way we can go in there 
looking like we do. We'll need disguises. Maybe we can borrow some costumes from the evidence locker. No can do. It's too risky to go out in some other guy's outfit. They'll know we're not the real Vils. <laughs> Besides, I don't have enough money in my wallet to bribe the evidence locker guy. I should have a buck or two, though. That should be enough to bribe the guy who works at Lost and Found. <laughs> Gordon and Bullock continue walking with coin out of frame. The camera stays in the hallway, and we descend down a dark stairwell into the basement and into the morgue. Interior, GCPD morgue. That's Gotham City Police Department. Continuous. We see dim room lit by just a couple overhead lights. There are a few metal slabs with bodies draped with plastic sheets. We see Tozy McGee, a man in his early 20s wearing a green smock covered in dried blood. He's standing with one foot on the thigh of a corpse. Yuck. He is struggling to pull a bone saw free from the foot of dead body. It finally yanks free and he stumbles back slightly. Gotcha! Tozy leans down and picks up a severed toe. He then walks over to a large pickle jar, opens the top, and tosses it in with a multitude of other stolen cadaver toes. Suddenly, there's a knock at the door. He walks over and opens it. Lieutenant Bob Kane, a young, fresh-faced police officer, walks in with a clipboard. Hey, McGee, you want in on lunch? We're getting sandwiches from uh, Brown's Deli. Not as good as Scratch Deli, but pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure, just uh, let me just in my wallet here. Tozy moves some papers around on his desk, but has trouble finding his wallet. He continues opening and closing drawers. Uh, Bobby, be a pal and turn that light on behind you. Sure thing. Lieutenant Kane flips the light switch on the wall behind him, and immediately the room is filled with light. He cranes his neck and slowly surveys the surroundings. Ah, here it is. Tozy holds up the wallet and turns back around from his desk. Sheesh, sometimes I think even the world's greatest detective couldn't find my wallet. Tozy stares at Lieutenant Kane, who is staring at the ceiling. We pull out a bit and then can see that the light has revealed the sentence, This little piggy went to market, scrawled in pen on every single surface of the room, every nook, every cranny, across the coats of the coat rack, the screen of the computer, hell, even a rat squeaks past the P and I scribbled on it. What's all this about? It's, uh, it's wallpaper! Wallpaper? Yeah! Wallpaper! This used to be the, uh,. Daycare for the kids? <laughs> oh, uh, guess that makes sense for there to be a nursery rhyme on the wallpaper there. Oh, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, here's 20 bucks. Get me up a strong yard right and keep the change. Tozy takes money from his wallet. He hands it to Lieutenant Kane, who is staring at something over Tozy's shoulder. Tozy turns to see what he's looking at. The camera flips perspective to Lieutenant Kane's view, and we can clearly see the pickle jar full of stolen cadaver toes sitting upon a table. They both stare at it for a second, then look at each other. Lieutenant Kane stares at him like a parent catching their teenager masturbating into a shoe for the first time. <laughs> Bobby, you look, you look tired, you, you know, Bobby. Uh, why don't you take this and get some real good scotch for yourself, Bobby? Tozy opens his wallet and gives him all of the money he has. Lieutenant Kane takes the money and walks out. <sighs> Phew, that was a close one. A real, a real nail-biter, even. <laughs> Tozy, still laughing to himself, produces a tiny book and a pen from his pocket. He opens to a page titled Superville Monologue Lines and scribbles the phrase below. 
Skimming a few of the other lines, he turns and walks towards the jar. Where we see the jar, he visualizes a tied-up Jim Gordon struggling in a chair to get free. I finally got you right where I want you, Jimmy, all laced up. To think you searched everywhere and here I was, right under your feet. <laughs> you went toe-to-toe with my wits and ended up in a bit of a toe jam. You're ankle-deep in a pool of doo-doo. Not even your partner, Harvey Bullcock, can save you now. Tozy immediately stops and is confused. The visualized Jim Gordon disappears. He glances at the book, takes his pen, and corrects Bullcock to Bullock. Tozy, 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 you're working a little too hard, buddy. How about something to take the edge off? Tozy tucks the book into his smock, then walks towards the jar. He opens the lid, plucks out a corpse toe, and tosses it into his mouth. That's the stuff. Suddenly the door opens, and Lieutenant Kane steps back into the room. He is shuffling papers around on his clipboard as he enters and does not notice Tozy. Tozy turns around and tries to play it cool. I hate to bother you again, but what is it you want on a sandwich? I must not have written it down. As Lieutenant Kane slowly looks up, his voice trails off as he takes in the scene. He looks first to the jar of toes, then to the open jar lid, back to the jar of toes, back to the open lid, finally to Tozy. His face instantly changes to the shocked but unsurprised look of a parent walking in on their child masturbating into a shoe for the second time. <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's no bother, really. It's pastrami uh, on right. Lieutenant Keynes writes a scribble on clipboard while staring at him. He then turns, lets out a heavy sigh, and exits the room. God, what's his deal? Sheesh. Fade out. Fade in. Exterior, Gotham City Street, night. It's another bad night on this rough street in Lower Killtown. The one or two working light poles are uselessly flickering. Fortunately enough, two or three cars are on fire, helpfully illuminating the rest of the street. Gunfire erupts far off in the distance. Just then, the window on dilapidated row house opens, and Dude sticks his head out. Hey, uh, quiet down, jackasses. I'm trying to torture a guy in here. <laughs> Almost like a response, the far-off gunfire erupts again. The dude, frustrated, produces a gun and fires several times into the air. Blare, blare, blare! <laughs> hey, over here, you jerks. Uh, if I hear one more peep out of use... I'm gonna come down there and blow your brains out. <laughs> the dude shuts the window angrily. Back down on the street, a, ca- a cat near a trash can meows loudly to no one in particular. Into frame steps a guy in a black trench coat. He looks both ways to see if the coast is clear, then picks up the cat, shoves it into his coat, and runs off into the darkness. <laughs> For a minute, there's stillness. All we can hear is the crackle of burning automobiles. Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock enter into frame. Gordon is wearing a shaggy brown wig on his head with a pink thong over top. His eyes peek out either leg hole as he walks. Bullock looks about about normal, except he is wearing what appears to be a very thick glove on one hand. Okay. What? Is this normal? 
Let's go over our stories one more time. My supervillain name is the Underwear Wolf. I used to yank people's pants down for money. But then this flash twerp made it impossible for me to take make boxers anywhere in Center City to take a fall. I would reach for someone's trousers, then boom, I'm in jail. That's why I moved here to Gotham. No light speed loser to get in the way of my plans. <laughs> Gordon looks at Bullock, and Bullock just stares back. They both stop walking. And you? Oh, I, I'm the glove. I, uh... Gordon glares at him. Did you even memorize your backstory? <sighs> I didn't, but I wrote it down. Where exactly did you write it down? On my hand. <laughs> From what we can see through his hairy thong mask, Gordon seems upset. But then his shoulders fall into a sigh as a realization sets in. Which hand? This one. Bullock raises up his thickly gloved hand sheepishly, like a child revealing their poop-covered arm from a body they just twisted for a lost toy or something. You are the glove. You used to live in the Florida Keys. You wear 12 layers of gloves on your right hand, which makes it slightly warmer than your body temperature. You used to prowl beachfront tiki bars and touch unsuspecting patrons on the shoulder. That would startle them slightly into dropping valuables. You would make a good living doing it until that Aquaman punk began regularly pelting you with stingrays. You moved here because that water weenie can't make it to the far inland. <laughs> grabby, grab, grab. Bullock stares at Gordon throughout this whole explanation, nodding every three or four words. Okay, you got it now? No. <laughs> God damn it. Fine, fine, fine. Don't say anything. Leave the talking to me. Bullock nods, and both he and Gordon continue their way down the street. The camera pivots to see them walk across to the next block into the door of a bar in the corner. We pan up to see a flickering neon sign above the entrance that reads, The Spoiled Plan. Oh. Interior, The Spoiled Plan. Bar, night. We see a run-down low-lit room with booths set deep into the wall on three sides and a lengthy bar with a row of stools on the along right. Criminals wearing all manner of wacky outfits crowd almost every table and booth. The air of the place is morose and desperate. It feels like the eighth straight year of a sad Halloween party that will never end. The thick-gloved Bullock and the hairy-thong-faced Gordon enter. Okay, okay, Hob. Let's sit over here with those guys and see what we can find out. Yeah, let's get a little hands-on. <sighs> That's actually pretty good, Hob. More of that. <laughs> Gordon and Bullock walk over to the first booth. We can see two men sitting on either side of a table. Gordon gestures to see if it's okay to join them. They nod. One is wearing a baseball jersey, a hockey mask, a tennis headband, and golf gloves. <laughs> this man, unsurprisingly, is named the Sportsmaster. Hi, I'm the Sportsmaster. This is my sidekick. Sportsmaster points to the other man at the table. He's normal looking, just plain jeans and a flannel. <laughs> 
I'm the maid of wood killer. <laughs> Wait, is it maid or maid? <laughs> or are you maid of wood or like a maid who cleans wood? <laughs> no! <laughs> he puts a baseball bat on the table. I kill people with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> well then, shouldn't you be like the the Batman or something? <laughs> no, no. Besides, it sounds like, you know, bats. They're cute and they mostly eat fruit. That doesn't sound threatening at all. You're a funny guy. What'd you say your name was? I didn't. Uh, I am the underwear wolf. Uh, ow! <laughs> and uh, this guy next to me is the glove. Bullock puts his gloved hand up and paws the air like a cat. <laughs> yeah, we're looking to get handsy with the guy who's at defeat. <laughs> they all turn and stare at Bullock for a second, then resume the conversation with Gordon. Ain't seen you out around here before. Yeah, we're new to town, just came from... Listen, pal, we all have the same story. Got punched or kicked by a superhuman of some sort. You can't make a name wherever that is, so you get run out of town and head to the only place with no capes. Capes? Yeah, that's what us Bills call superheroes. <laughs> oh, Ah, uh, yes, of course, all of us, uh, Vils have definitely dealt with the capes before. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Excuse me for a second. <laughs> Gordon elbows Bullock in the rib and aggressively gestures to him that they shouldn't leave the table. Jesus, I'm going, God! Maybe instead of the under werewolf, you should be the overbear. <laughs> Gordon and Bullock quickly get up from the booth and wander slowly to the next booth. Okay, this time, don't interrupt! I'll interrupt your freaking fart jerk! They approach the next booth where three people are already sitting. Gordon again gestures to see if they can sit with him, and one person nods in approval, so they sit. Hello, I am the underwear wolf. Ow! And this is my sidekick, the glove. Bullock puts up his gloved hand and again paws the air, kind of like someone just asked him, who's the greatest kitty? <laughs> we moved here like all of us bills do because of those capes, kicking us out of our respective towns before we can make a name for ourselves. One of the seated folks, a lady in a red and white checkered dress, speaks. I'm Lola Lasagna. I've always got something baking here in Gotham. I can be cheesy, but I've got many layers to me. These are my associates. She gestures first at a very tough-looking muscular man in a striped shirt that barely holds his rippling biceps. On top of his head is a tiny party hat. This is the birthday boy. It's my special day, and if anyone gets in my way, they'll get a slice of pound cake. 
Gordon struggles to keep his eyes from rolling as Lola Lasagna then gestures to an elderly woman in a shawl who looks up from her knitting uh, what, what appears to be a handgun warmer. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, this is Ma Parker. That's right. I'm one tongue mother, too, if you catch my drift. <laughs> I'll give you a couple socks on Christmas and also a couple socks to your face any day of the year. <laughs> You might not never call, but you should know that I've got your number, and I ain't afraid to drop in with my fist. <laughs> Gordon desperately tries to keep from laughing, and excuses himself from the booth and pulls Bullock back along with him. I thought I could do this, but I can't. <laughs> the what? The legality? No, 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 the puns. <laughs> Go home and get some whiskey. You, we can frame someone for these toe shenanigans tomorrow. As they walk away from the booth, Tozy steps into frame, wearing a bright green mask and a bright green leotard, with a felt symbol of what is supposed to be a toe, but because of its shitty crafting or trimming, looks like a thumbs up emoji. What should have been an imposing warning of the villainy known as the toe. Now looks like the hazy greeting of a dude named All Goodman. <laughs> Tozy, draped in his ugly costume, walks over to the bar and sits down next to another Ville and taps him on the shoulder to strike up a conversation. The man is Oswald Cobblepot. He has angular features that match his angular hair that in color matches his dark suit. He's like an emo Jack Skellington. <laughs> What's up, I'm a... Uh... Uh, who, who are you exactly? Johnny All Goodman? Actually, I'm the, uh... Should I know you from something? What have you done? Well, I, I, nothing really yet. I, I, I do toe, toe stuff. Uh, I haven't done any real crying yet. I, I plan to, though. I have all the lines and, um... Well, my... whoever you are, come back when you have some headlines. Tozy stands up and walks out of frame dejectedly. We see Oswald draw his focus to a drink in front of him. Then he stands up to yell off screen. Bartender! I specifically asked for an umbrella in this drink. <laughs> the camera slowly pulls off of Oswald's tantrum and turns to a shadowy door in the back of the bar. We enter into the dusty door of a private room, interior, back room, continuous. It is dimly lit, but we pull focus to a woman in a giant white bird costume sitting on one side of a table drinking from a glass. This is, obviously, a criminal mastermind named Mother Goose. <laughs> She is speaking to a person on the other side of the table who we cannot see. Listen, Joe, I have given you many chances, have I not? How many times are you going to just fall down? And how many times am I going to have to put this all back together again? Mother Goose sits up from her perch in the chair a bit and angrily points a wing at the person off screen. First, I give you the simple task of killing two people and leaving a damn bucket. You can't have Jack and Jill fall down without a damn bucket. You got them killed, that's good. But it's not a nursery rhyme without the damn bucket. Mother Goose softly brings her wing back to her drink, calms down for a second, then continues talking. Next... 
I decided to give you the simple task of spreading a leg and some toes in a bunch of places. You did better, I'll give you that, but you left the damn leg in Metropolis. It needed to be here. I guess the leg is the bucket of the human body now, huh? <laughs> they don't even have a police force there. They have a margarita competition. <laughs> to top that all off, what was her excuse again? Um, that you didn't know the rhyme? You looked it up on your phone? It's a nursery rhyme, Joe. Children memorize them. Mother Goose takes a deep breath and reaches down to the ground next to her chair and produces a newspaper. She slides it to the middle of the table and gestures at it with her wing. You killed Jack, you killed Jill, but you didn't leave the damn bucket, so this headline means nothing to me. We look down to the newspaper. It's an older edition of the Gotham Times. The front page picture is of a familiar street corner with a familiar child standing between two familiar corpses. The headline reads, no Wayne's, dude. <laughs> Here's your chance to make it right. Mother Goose holds a marker in her wing and circles the figure of a young Bruce Wayne in his tiny blue pantsuit. Take care of little boy Blue. You can do that, Joe, right? Or is it the robber? No? What is it now? Ah, the boring zebra. The camera pans over to the other side of the table. There sits a familiar black and white striped man from that fateful night in that familiar alley. Yes, the boring zebra thinks he can take care of this. <laughs> Nay! <laughs> Zebra's nay, right? <laughs> Smash cut! To be continued, the end. <laughs> Everybody, this has been... Aquera from Portland. We've seen Bettina McCalvey from here. Lisa Brown. El Sanchez. Val Nigro. And the writer of this show, Andy Alonso. Not to mention Chris Hottamy. And bad boy Kyle McCormick. What can I say? Going for Daniel O'Connell. Yes, yes. Uh, get a few more drinks. Give him your money, and then give it up for Scratch Deli. Scratch Deli. City of Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. Hey now. Space Needle. Frazier. Nothing. That's it. podcast on the River City Podcast Federation. Uh, it's a mostly Portland-based podcast network, but hey, Natalie Holt and Maddie Downs have a podcast on that network. Uh, Seattle Sessional Awake and Baking. Frequently Which they do right here. Yeah, check us out online. Uh, we are always at either at Specstrip or at Specstrip Show on the various social formats. And anyway, party on. Peace out. We love you and uh, get drinks with us. Peace out. Yeah, bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Specscript. The next live episode will be Stranger Things by Sarah Meyer at Kelly's Olympian, October 8th. There'll also be a costume contest. Spooksprit. Hello and welcome to the Ad for Afternoonified, the podcast where we hope to make you a little less dumb while we also become a little less dumb. Do you want to know why some saints have never decomposed? Or why you're compelled to eat laundry detergent and home insulation? Ugh. Maybe you've heard about the Axe Handle Hound or a demon named Zozo and want to know more. We're here to help. Join us. I thought you say Emily and Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were going to do. I'm just going to leave this in. Um, join us, Emily and Ryan, on our mission to investigate the weirder sides of science history, and that is your line. And the paranormal and afternoonified part of the River City Podcast Federation. Nailed it. Done. Yeah. Boom. Come find us. Thank you.